Hello, MJ. Hello, Trey. Happy Christmas. Merry New Year. We've made it through all that. We've made it through the banquets. We've had a first half of the FTR season. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a little preseason GNCC talk. Talk about schedule, the boards banquet, how cool that experience is. We're going to dive into FTR and Mondon Hill. I mean, it's a great way to start the second half of the season. Agreed. So uh, this is episode 37 and a half of Beyond the Curve Goes Off-Road, and this is season two. I know that's going to be really weird, but we're, we're, we're kind of doing our own way. Yeah. So uh, MJ, how are things going? Things are going good. You know, nothing, nothing too special or too crazy is happening uh, at the Yodonis household. Um, how are things with you guys? Very good, very good. Had a uh, really nice casual Christmas. Um, went away for a couple days, South Carolina. By the way, if you're ever in Columbia, South Carolina, it is a city with an army base, a major SEC college, and uh, the government offices for the state go there during Christmas break, you can tour the whole city very calmly and it's a, but there's some cool restaurants. So we went there for a couple of days on a business vacation mm -hmm. and uh, getting ready to kind of fire away. We just talked about Supercross on uh, the Beyond the Curve, the MX podcast. We had Rylan Munson on and talking about Anaheim One and getting ready for that. And um, you and I are gonna discuss the off-road side. Um, mm -hmm. Schedules have dropped for every major series uh, and FTR is in the middle of theirs. So where do you want to start? Um, I guess lack of preparation on my part. I couldn't remember if we talked about the schedule or not, but I guess it hadn't have come out yet. We so. I think we hit on one of the new Powerline Park. I, I don't know if we actually yeah, talked about it. Yeah, I think we it. talked about like some rumor stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, gonna, we did talk yeah. about the rumors. Now there's a new one. Uh, yeah, so we're still going to the same, the same first four. You know, you got Big Buck, Wild Boar, General, Camp Coker. Oh, I'm really excited they're going back to the General. Yeah, so am I. So I believe they sold the property to a family out of, it's either Austria or Australia, I believe. Okay. And they moved over and, um, so yeah, they're, they're doing, they're doing their thing there. They're still keeping the MX track and... I still think I still think they're keeping it open how they how it was before where they still have the trails and stuff like that as well. Uh, but I'm really excited. Round five, it's called the Old Gray, but it's in Tennessee, and um, first Tennessee round I think we've had since they used to race at Loretta Lynn's. Yeah, yeah. I think last year of that was like 2014, 2015. I think. Um, so I'm super excited about that. That's what we were talking about the last podcast. As um, I believe that's the Landers family, um, they own that property, and then of course the Hoosier round six, which is Ironman uh, Crawfordville, Indiana. And then round seven, we're going back to a familiar property called Powerline Park. It's in Saint Clairsville, Ohio. It's where you you know the the Creek Gap yeah. and um, all that was. And then Mason Dixon round eight. That's a familiar place and a very familiar place. Snowshoe round nine. Um, and then we are starting pretty early this year. We're starting Labor Day weekend um, mm -hmm. after summer break. So the first race back is going to be the Buckwheat 100, which is probably one of my favorite tracks of the year. And then 
Um, we talked about last podcast, possibly the Boy Scout camp being discontinued. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not the case. We are going back uh, round 11, and then a little bit of a switch up in the calendar. Round 12 is the John Pinton, where the past few years, John Pinton has been around May. Yeah. It's usually the either the second to last race or third to last race before summer break, um, but now it's going to be the second to last race of the year. Um, is and that because then, of weather or... I'm not too sure. That's what I, I'm going to assume so because it's either crazy hot or, or it rains, it rains <laughs> and then it's crazy hot because of humidity. Yeah. It's almost like Florida up there. It's crazy when it rains. Like the humidity is just off the charts hot, just like it is in Florida. Um, and then obviously, like it has been for the past million years, Ironman is uh, round 13. So back to 13 rounds. It was rumored, but now it is confirmed. We are back to 13 rounds. I guess they were able to figure out something with the super motocross schedule. Yeah. Maybe that's why we're starting so early. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So yeah, back to, uh, we actually go between John Pinton and Ironman. I just noticed it's a whole month off. Yeah. So you I'm guessing that's the super motocross stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to guess as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, Bit of a bit of a nail biter if you're in a championship hunt in between yeah. the last two rounds. You know, most people just want to get it over with. But nope, you got to think about it. And for that a could month. be cold. Yeah, I mean, last weekend or second to last weekend in October. I guess that usually is that usually the last race. It's just there's a gap because you're starting yeah. so early. Yeah, I think it's either the second to last week or about. I think this way this year was about halfway through. I think okay. it was in the teens, but now it's October twenty sixth. So I I think it's going to be pretty chilly up there. At the very top of the schedule was the GNCC banquet, which they, which you went to on the quad side. Mm-hmm. How they do the banquet in West Virginia, near their home base. Mm-hmm. How is it going to a national banquet? What's it like? I. I I know some of the stories I've heard. Some of the some of the participants, it's when they really let their hair down, yeah, and maybe their feet down, and some other things because some of them don't handle themselves. No, but no. In in a in a true sense, what's it like going to the the national level banquet? So it is pretty cool. I won't say that it's anything spectacular you know it's not like you're going to a banquet for the indy 500 or not the indy 500 but for indy car or f1 or something like that um so i'm not going to say it's the most spectacular thing in the world but compared to other banquets in the off-road world it is definitely something very cool um you know you have everybody um from the top 10 up um come come to the banquet for each class now whether they actually show up yeah. or not but they do honor um the top 10 so there's quite a few people there heck they don't um, even show up for the local race series no so. no so um it is very cool to be on that stage and you know being able to represent the people that have supported you all year long you know you get to give credit to those people um no matter what place you got as long as you're in the top 10 you're able to credit those people. So that that is very cool because, you know, it's not, you know, everybody there isn't following you on social media. They're not seeing your post-race reports where you're tagging these people. So it just allows you to go that little extra mile and and give them that recognition on the national stage because it is live live stream to um, everybody. So it is cool. At the same time, I think there's some stuff that needs to be changed. I think there does need to be a dress code, an approved dress code. There was a there was a a kid. I mean, probably 
13, 14 years old, and he's wearing a shirt, and a t-shirt and jeans. You know, that wouldn't be half bad, yeah. except the shirt, it was to-do list with a colon, and underneath it, it said, your mom, and it was X'd out, like saying he did your mom. Oh, okay. And he wore that up on stage, you know, okay. accepting his award. And, and, and his pr- parents had to approve it. Yeah, and his parents let him do it. Okay. And, you know, and he's, and maybe it's just my way, but I don't even think like, you know, you have your Stu Baylors and your Adam McGill's who are out there, you know, yeah. with their stuff, but I don't even think they would do something like that. So it's like, you know, I might be a little old school in saying this because I know the new way is, you know, you kind of be yourself and stuff like that. But I feel like there is a certain level of respect you need to follow. Right? There's, there's, mean, there, there should be a level of decorum. When you're representing situation. these yeah. brands, you know. I've these. Got a question: Who was the dude? There was some dude wearing an orange suit. So there was Wyatt Wilkin and his trainer. Um, he actually trains a lot of people. His accounts outlier performance, but I can't think of his. Oh, Levi Cohen. So Levi Cohen and Wyatt Wilkins. Um, I think it was. Levi told Wyatt, he's like, if you get a certain place for the year, um, excuse me, we're going to dress up as Dumb and Dumber at the oh, banquet. Oh, okay. So they dressed up as Dumb and Dumber at the banquet, and that's why you saw the orange and uh, light, excuse me, the light blue yeah. uh, okay. suits walking around in the top hats okay. and the canes. And I was wondering, and I couldn't place it now that you say it, I was like, that does make a lot of sense. I saw All I saw was pictures, and I was like, man, but at least they were in a suit. But to me, that's an acceptable way of being yourself. Yeah. Just, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean. It's kind of like the Subway shirt I saw. I was like, I don't know why little kids want to do it. We were in Daytona one time, and Subway, there's some dude, little kid, had a shirt, and it said Subway footlong, and it was an arrow pointing straight down. And I was like, dude, you're like 12. Like, why did your parents approve you to be able yes. to wear this? Yes. Or did you just, like, <laughs> did you do, like, you wore the sweatshirt on your way out the door and yeah. then took it off once you left them? I don't know. But, yeah, it was very cool. Um, definitely some people don't know how to handle themselves or their alcohol. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. As we were, we decided we were going to leave the uh, the banquet hall. The, the banquet is finished. We, we knew a couple people that were in, like, the I think it was the 24-plus C class. And, of course, they were the last ones yeah. to go like 60th place or something um, on that he had won the championship so we stayed and watched him give his speech and everything but we had finally decided to pack up and we were heading out and you know we see this girl on the ground and you know her entourage around her there was probably five or six of them you know one of them just picks picks her up on on his back and starts walking and you the know seltzers hit hard and yeah and we're, we're we're walking and you know I look up and there's a brown streak oh. in her jeans, like coming out of oh. her jeans. Oh. And I just, I look up and I turn around and I'm like, does anybody else see it? Like, like, I don't know if you are here tonight accepting an award. I sure hope not. Or if you are representing somebody here accepting yeah. an award. But like, you know, it's just, to me, it's a little, little embarrassing. You know, I, w- I wouldn't want to remember my banquet like that. Yeah, a little bit you know? of decorum, a little bit. And I know it's a big time to celebrate. Yeah. It's probably for some people, it's their only vacation because they spend their whole time racing. Yep. Um, hey, maybe but, her boyfriend won XC1 championship. I don't know. Maybe that's Bryson Neal's side chick. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. She was just excited, but 
but yeah, it was it was long story long. It was good. We all had fun. We we flew up. Uh, we took a red eye Thursday night. Um, funny story. We we get off the flight in Pittsburgh. Um, I think we rented through Enterprise or something and um, get to the car. They we got an expedition. Get in the car and I see a. I'm in the back seat, but I see a light on the dash and. Uh, it just piqued my interest. I'm like, light on the dash, what's that? And it, a message pops up on the screen. It says, driver front tire, 15 PSI. I'm like, yeah, we're going to drive an hour and a half with yeah. 15 PSI. So we got out of the car. Enterprise, very, very nice. I, you know, I, I was making a joke there, but very nice. They gave us a, a another new expedition. Um, we got the same car we were already trying to get. Well, actually, it worked out a little better. We originally had the Expedition Max, which is a little bit longer. But trying to park in the parking garage at the hotel, it actually, we got a regular expedition. So it was the smaller one and it actually worked out better in our favor. So, you know, everything happens for a reason, I guess. But um, it was handled very well on Enterprise's part. They tried to give us a discount because, you know, customer satisfaction and everything. So, you know, big shout out to Enterprise. They were a big help. Obviously, we didn't accept it because it just happens, you know, that stuff happens. But um, they tried to make, they tried to make it up, but it was all good. Well, as we look at the FT, uh, FTR, the GNCC schedule, um, any big we talked we talked previously about kind of rider moves. Uh, any new any new news on rider moves, rider teams? Uh, I know, you know, they're all going to be. I mean, not all of them. There's going to be quite a few that are down here for training here mm-hmm. soon. If they're not already here. Uh, Mondon Hill is always one that kind of grabs either the dirt bike guys or the quad guys. Um, any 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 talk that you've heard on the off road side of what's any big moves shakers? So a lot of stuff's been announced since we filmed the last podcast, and you know some of it we kind of already knew. Some of it you know was still up in the air. Um, so one thing that's kind of close to us, close to home here, you know. Um, that I wanted to touch on before we got into like the big factory teams was Jesse Ansley going to a Cowie. Yeah. Not only just a Cowie, but a Cowie 450. Yeah. Which almost makes me question: Is he going to XE1 next year? Like, is that a possibility? You know, you may not be doing too well in XE2, but the bonuses that you'd be making for the same finishes in X because everybody wants to stay down in XE2. Yeah. Nobody wants to promote up. So, you know, could you finish instead of, I think his best finish was six this year at XE2, could you finish 10th in XE1 and still make the same amount of money and possibly get faster because you're riding with those faster guys, gaining that experience? Well, he looks like he's riding well in the 450. I've, I've he, seen... He does look uh, very actually well. I've seen a race with him on it, um, two races with him on it, and... He and uh, no, one race. I'm sorry, one race with him on it, and he started dead last. He said he had a starter problem. I'm wondering if he just started dead last to start dead yeah. last. Um, was leading by the end of the first lap. Watch video. He's riding the bike. He and Garrett were going at it um, last race in Punta Gorda, mm-hmm. and here comes Jesse, and he's not lugging it because that's not going to sound wrong but he's a gear lower yeah he's riding a 450 how it's meant to be and he's riding and he goes takes off here comes garrett and like it's like 
I looked at Michelle and I said, hmm, I think he's figured out this 450 thing yeah. because he, they both were going fast. One looked like he was going faster, a little smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, props to Garrett because Garrett kept him honest. Uh, I don't know how long Garrett kept him honest, but through that first lap and on into the second. But Jesse was just, it sounds like he's not trying to make it screen. He's trying to yeah. make it work. Uh, also, props to he and his girlfriend. They have put together a heck of a program for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting some help. I will not mention, but he's getting some help from some people in the industry. That some pretty cool people. Yeah, some pretty yeah. cool people. And and congratulations. Uh, he did take a little bit, guys. If someone is riding a bicycle on the road, they have a right to be riding the bicycle. They don't need to be hit. Ryland Munson, our Supercross rider, they almost had an incident. A Tesla tried to pass 25 bicyclists the other day and had to bail off into a ditch on the other side of the road because he wouldn't wait for them to get back to the bike lane. And he was either going to hit the riders, hit the car head on, or go into the ditch. And Ryland's like, he was right beside me and just decided to turn left and go into the ditch. And guys, bicyclists have the right to be on the road chill most of these guys jesse rylan the group rylan was riding with they were doing 22 miles per hour as their pace yeah and he's like give us like a half minute a minute and we'll be out of the way but jesse took an off on his bike luckily with his motorcycle skills he missed the curb the bike's okay he's okay but man think about it all he's trying to do is train and that could have been the end of his season right there um but no he looks good on the 450 it is going to be interesting. Um, he, he's going to pick and choose races that he's going to do, but um, I know he's trying to go after this FTR thing. Yeah. But uh, and FTR, good. you almost need a 450 yeah. for all the fields you're running. So, but he looks good on the 450. Congratulations on making that move and being willing to make that move, mm-hmm. because he's been at home with KTM for a long time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the local guy. Um, speaking of local guys, any news on Brandon Frazier? What's his next so, season look like? To my knowledge, he's staying with you know Can Am. They're they're building an, another one. Um, he's actually posted a couple things. I think they just got the frame uh, yesterday. I think they got it back from Powder Coat and all that stuff. So it is January second. First race is February eighteenth. So he's cutting it a little close here, but uh, <laughs> he said he's hoping to have it done by the end of the week. And I'm like. You know, when you and I were building my 4x4, it took us two months to do it. So if you get yours done in a week, I'm going to be a little upset that it took us so long to get mine done. But, um, yeah, to they're building another bike, and um, I think he's going to stick with the same program at Derisi and, and all that stuff. And, you know, down down here local, I think, I think maybe Walker's back down. I know Hunter Hart's back down here. He came down after the banquet. I think Adam McGill's coming down here after the first of the year. Well, I guess it is after the first year now. So. How long is Adam going to keep racing? I don't know. Yeah, I've never straight up asked him, but I could only assume it'd be a couple more years max. He's kind of got to be the McClure, right? Of yeah. The series now. Like- I mean, it's not like he's slow by no. any means. He'd whoop me no. any day, and he got a couple podiums last yeah. year. So it's not like he's slow, but I think... 
at, at a certain point, you got to settle down. You know, mm-hmm. like I know he's got his, like, I know they have a, I think they have a house down here. He's got family down here. But I also know um, his wife, Haley, they have family in Ohio. So it's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. which family do you settle down with? Where do you want to settle down at? You know, I, I keep, every time I see him, I bust his balls. I'm like, man, when are you going to move down to Florida full time? And so I don't know. I know. I know he's got at least one more year in him, but I would assume he's probably got two to three more years, and then I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll still be involved in racing. Yeah. You know, he's that type of guy where he's going to be in it till the day. Well, he's he got that tire it. thing that he's working with mm-hmm. and stuff. So I know that that's probably that probably assists, but it's kind of he's kind of become that the guy, even though even though he's not the Bryson Neal or the yeah. Like, He's still kind of people know the name. Yeah, he's he's almost like turning into, you know, the pros make or like a lot of the pro guys they make jokes about it, like oh I don't want to be Johnny G, I don't want to be that guy yeah. who's in the class not winning and stuff like that. But he's almost turning into the Johnny G. Not that you know, no disrespect towards Johnny, he'd still whip me to this day, even though he's you know <laughs> retired. But you know, even though he's not at Johnny G's pace yeah. where he wasn't you know making podiums and stuff like that. Um, He's still up there, but he's also getting that, well, how do I say it, that brand ambassador role, yeah. you know, that social media influencer role. He's well, still going to be there. Dean Wilson of yeah. the motocross world. Like, he's that guy. Like, people know who he is. Yeah, they so know the name. Yeah, like, he's got an audience, and, exactly. and he's not winning, but his allure to the crowds is still... In know. today's day and age, we live in a very result-oriented sport. But I think companies are slowly starting to get to the point where it's almost like it'll almost benefit them more if you have a following more than it will if you're winning every weekend. You know, obviously, if you're winning every weekend, you're going to gain a following because people know your name. But at the same time, if you have that following, you know, I'm not saying Adam McGill is more popular than Bryson Neal, but I'm almost saying Adam McGill is more popular than Bryson Neal. Because well, Bryce is probably not going to stop on the track and crack a beer with you. Exactly. You know, like <laughs> the the day and age we live in is people want raw, yeah. and unfortunately in our sport we can't really get that. You don't really see it on the quad side as much, but especially on the motorcycle side, you don't get the raw yeah. because they're not allowed to. You know, they're they're, you know, you're not allowed to be yourself. You got to be the straight lace suit and tie guy at, at the race every weekend. And oh, how you doing, man? You know, just signing autographs and and going on with your day. You see him cycling the track. I could have a conversation with Adam for 15, 20 minutes while he's cycling the track. We see a, you know, dirt bike guy cycling the track and, oh, hey, how you doing? And they're just, because they're, they're there to work. They're there to get stuff done. And so in that, in that, oh, yeah. in that vein, so on the quad side, you have the uh, one Yamaha factory guy. On the bike side, I was thinking of KTM. Who is their factory guy? That's going to lead us to something else about KTM. But who, because they were like the preeminent factory team. Who is their their factory guy? Because they, you know. The they one, had Caleb Russell. They had Caleb Russell and he retired. Mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to mold Ben Kelly into a Caleb Russell. Okay. Um, like we saw in 2022. I had breakfast with Ben Kelly one time. Not uh, on purpose, it? but we were having breakfast and he and his family were sitting over at a, oh. at a National Enduro. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think they're trying to mold him 
and 2022 that would have worked out perfectly until he broke his leg at yeah but he was six for six and um you know they hadn't nobody had seen that he had tied the most wins ever in a GNCC consecutively and you know unfortunately he did break his leg at um at the I think it was a national enduro and um but he would have been that guy but now that he came back from injury or when he got injured I think that changed a lot of people's mindsets of you know people are getting beat down almost like a Caleb Russell situation people were getting beat down like oh man you know we can't we can't beat this guy but when he got injured a lot of people I think started training harder started you know yeah. going that extra mile at the race you know when they got tired instead of slowing down they would um keep pushing because they believed they could win yeah. because the guy wasn't there anymore and so I think that pushed a lot of people forward in that 2022 season so then we saw this year seven different winners in the first seven rounds yeah. you know when I think that was a record there. Seven different winners in seven different in the first seven rounds. So and it was close. This year was close. It was very close. So you know, I think Ben as Ben. If I were Ben Kelly, of course it sucked. You know, I'd want to get that championship. I would have loved to blow everybody out of the water. <laughs> but I think as a sport, him getting hurt progressed the sport more than anything. Like him winning out the series wouldn't have progressed the sport at all yeah. because it would have just been Caleb Russell part two. So is he the only KTM rider? So there is another one. Um, I want to say, I'm going to have to look this up. I just looked it up this morning, and of course now I can't remember it. But Because um, some of the teams, some of the satellite teams have gone through a change this year. Correct. So uh, let me figure this out real quick before I move on if I can, in a relatively timely manner. Because that was one of the things, because they were such the dominant force for so many years with Caleb Russell, with Yuha Solomon, with like all these other guys that raced for KTN. And now there's kind of been some shifts in power. Um, Like you said, there were seven winners. And it's going to be interesting interesting to see this year how that transitions, what the XC2 looks like. Uh, for instance, are there going to be any newcomers in XC1 that kind of rear their head? Uh, are Stewart and Grant Baylor going to be able to do some? I saw one of the women has switched from Yamaha to Kawasaki mm-hmm. this year, um, which I love to see that Kawasaki used to have a factory presence. I would love to see them come back. I would love to see... Suzuki come back. I mean, I would love to see Triumph come back. Like, I would love to see because they they have a 250 coming, and they're coming to Supercross. Yeah. So why can't we come to GNCC? And, and we be- might see that in the near future. But and Beta is an off-road bike, and they're going Supercross, and it's like, dude, what about a Beta GNCC team? So they actually do have one. Oh, do they? They do have a Beta factory team. Now they just started racing XC1. They did have XC2 only riders, but now one of their XC2 riders moved up. Okay. And of course, you know, I'm on the quad side, so I can't for the life of me remember anybody on the dirt bike side. Well, they, you know, I just looked it up this morning. They pound the 300 two-stroke. The betas do. They they love the 300 two-stroke side. And I think, I want to say that's what the XC1 guy is racing. Is it 300 Um, two-stroke? 
I believe so. And I think because XC2 is a 250 class, it's not a 254 stroke class. Mm. So they the beta team would race their 252 stroke in the uh, in that class. Mm. And you know, of course, I'm not prepared, and I'm just <laughs> going to give up now. That's okay. But um, KTM does have two XC1 riders. I can't remember what the heck. Is it the, the Spanish guy? No, um, I know who you're talking about. He went about. home. Though, right? He He's went like, home. He he was racing a little bit last year. Yeah, he was struggling, or the year before. Yeah, he struggled. Um, he broke his hand or thumb or something. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but talking about KTM, the Magna One team. How we were talking about the rumors, the Magna One team did take over. Um, we were talking about Trail Jesters being liquidated, yeah. which it was. Trail Jesters is now no more, and Landers Racing. KTM is there now instead of Magna One. It's Landers Racing KTM. They have taken that satellite team role. They are now factory, you know, KTM, FMF, Red Bull. And um, they have a few XC2 riders, a few amateur riders. Um, they do have a woman rider as well, which is pretty cool. Um, I think she got a couple podiums, and again, I can see her face, but I can't think of her name because I'm much better with faces than I am names, but um, it is now the Landers Racing KTM team, which, you know, is, do we think that that's a step up? I mean, I would assume so because it's a factory team, but now you're not running your own team anymore. You're yeah. under the KTM umbrella. You don't, you don't have the say anymore. So to speak. I mean, I don't know the behind the scenes. Because they were they, they, they were still, running Husqvarna before they right? were running Husqvarna. Husk so it's a it's a lateral move as far as the bike is concerned. Correct. Um, but they did not. I'm sure they had a few parts here and there, but they were not a factory supported team. Mm -hmm. They were a privateer team, as it would be in Supercross terms. So, so did anybody take their satellite team on the Husqvarna side, or is that just gone? Not that I'm aware of. So I believe gone. it's just. It's just gone. Um, and then Husqvarna's keeping their same riders, I believe, um, because I know Thad Duvall. He's done. Was, yeah. And, He's got a uh, little Kawasaki. He's also got a Kawasaki 450. So I believe um, gosh, uh, Josh Strain was a huge part of the Kawasaki movement when Babbitts came. Mm-hmm. Um, which I haven't seen anything from, from Babbitts this year, but also last year they didn't release their team until like the week before the race. So, yeah. Um, but, um, I believe when Josh Strang and went to Babbitts because Josh Strang is another one of those guys who just has such a presence, yeah. you know, you didn't see Kawasaki's at GNCC's and you know, you saw them, but you didn't see them in, in the presence you do now. They are huge at the GNCCs now. And I, I truly believe Josh Strang was a was a big part in that. And what's even crazier is Josh Strang's without a ride. Yeah. He, he doesn't have a ride next year, yeah. uh, at least on a factory team or any team that I'm aware of as of now. Um, I could have just missed the post if it was out there. Um, but the biggest team, the biggest thing was the uh, them, get, them getting swapped over. And then uh, we talked about Stu Baylor. Um, possibly switching brands to to Kawasaki, and um, that is true. They are no longer the Rocky Mountain Teeley Energy Team. They are the RM Red Bear Racing Team. Yeah, what's Red um, Bear? I've honestly never heard of them before. Yeah, 
Um, but they are the Rocky Mountain Red Bear Racing Team, and they are on Cowies. Um, so Stu, as far as we know, as of now, I'm sure you know there's some insider information somewhere. But um, from what they have posted so far, it is going to be Stu Baylor, obviously, and then um, Rachel Archer, the the reigning, you know, uh, reigning WXC champion. Who was on Ampro Yamaha. Who was on Ampro Yamaha. And to my knowledge, I believe she was left without a ride. I don't think they re-upped her contract. Um, At least that's what I heard. You know, of course, there's always behind-the-scene politics. So, you know, I can't confirm or deny that because I wasn't in the room with them. But I believe I heard from somewhere that she was left without a ride. To the point where she was going to race the last mid-east of the season on an Ampro bike. But they asked for it back. And oh. so she just was hanging out there because she didn't have a bike to ride. So, um, so Stu and Rachel Archer um, will be on the RM Red Bear Racing Team. I'm sure there might be a couple more that were on that RM Tele Energy Team that might transfer over. Um, now, another thing that I think is pretty cool because we haven't seen it since Taylor Jones was predominantly racing is a woman WXC rider on a factory factory team you know like you have um the young lady of course like I said earlier I can see her face but I can't think of her name um who's on the Landers racing team but Corey Steed is now riding for factory Husqvarna like we'll be coming out of their factory Husqvarna trailer um so I'm honestly a big Corey Steed fan um ever since I first found out about her probably because she She's just she's just a badass chick, you know. Um, like you know, you see the um, Travis Pastrana, like the pit bike racing yeah, and yeah. stuff. She's sponsored by Pit Biker, which Travis is as well. So you know, she has the opportunity to go out there and race the pit bike races and stuff like that. So she's just she's just a pretty cool chick all the way around. Um, and her girlfriend, well, I would assume it's her girlfriend. They post a lot about each other and and everything. So, um, but I've never seen like an anniversary post or anything. But um, her girlfriend is an equestrian. Oh really? To that I see like if I go to click on her uh, girlfriend's page, she uh, she posts a lot so about they horses. They both do and something stuff. a little dangerous. Yeah, they yeah. both do something pretty <laughs> dangerous, you know. <laughs> that's um, that's good. So I live that life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's pretty cool. Corey Steed is on Factory Husky, and um, Gas Gas has. Is that still Coastal? Y- yes. Okay. Coastal Gas Gas um, now has so. I guess because. The Landers Racing KTM team is just support. You know, they're only amateurs, even yeah. though XE2 is technically a pro class now, so I don't really know how that works out, but they're only XE2 and lower. Yeah. Um, Jordan Ashburn was left without somewhere oh, to go. Yeah. So he has now moved to um, Gas Gas, the Coastal Gas Gas team, and Ryder Lafferty as well, which I believe this is La- Ryder Lafferty's XE1 debut as well. So. Okay. That'll be pretty cool, but that's about all I have when it comes to Is Phoenix stuff like Honda going to be doing anything this year? Uh, yes, Phoenix Honda will be coming back. They are, um, they are Honda's only team at GNCC races. Really? So, and and to my knowledge, they will be coming back with on the on the ATV side. They will be coming back with Bryson Neal. Obviously, they had an extremely strong program going there last year. Um, well, they're kind of they're going to be kind of busy with this 
French Supercross race. Yeah, that, that. But I was wondering if they were still going to participate in the off road because they're kind of involved in all aspects. Everything. Of the race. Yeah. I mean everything. Yeah. I don't think there's something, you know, on the power sports side that they're not involved in. They I mean, were at crazy. Mini O's. Yeah. I mean, they got. They have the motocross, supercross, arena cross, ATV MX, uh, GNCC on both ATV and dirt bike side. I mean, they're just, you know, I they I just you got to give it up to them because the 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 funding that they have to bring in yeah. to be able to put all that in. Ooh, I did not mean to hit that. <laughs> Oopsies. Um, but the funding that they have to bring in, obviously, they must have some extremely good. Yeah negotiators and you know obviously people like them you know i've never talked to um mr eller but um i've listened to a a podcast with with him i want to say it was um one of Weege's podcasts or maybe it was steve's um i get them all confused you know but um uh i was listening to a podcast and you know he just seems like a very down-to-earth likable guy and uh a lot of people that ride for him, you know, like him. And I think that at the end of the day, if you want good results from your riders, you have to, it's, it's, it's like anything, you know, you own a business, you got to be good to your employees. You know, you got to be hard on them when you need to be hard on them. You know, if you don't have a good weekend, you know, they could have done better Then yeah, you got to be hard on them. But at the same time, you gotta, you gotta have that relationship and that mutual respect with one another. And from the sounds of it, that's something he's, he's good at. I still feel the play for them, and I know nothing, but I still feel the play for them is they're trying to maintain that Honda relationship because there's the possibility that once the Shimoda Hymas thing ends with Honda, Honda's going to want to offload that satellite mm-hmm. and go back to more of a Geico esque 250 model. Yeah. Um, because really, they don't want to mess with the 250. They already have it set up now, yeah. so it's kind of, we're going to let this ride out. But yeah. And then there's, then all of a sudden there's this network already built and they can step in and handle that. Um, I think it, this, to have a rider like Dylan Ferrandez on your satellite team this year, it's a pretty big step up. Yeah. So it's a chance for Honda to see how they handle. And to take notice of, of caliber. this little team out of North Carolina yeah. that, you know, this is, this is a legit thing, you know, like this yeah. is a legit, legit thing going. And, you know, I, we've talked about it a couple of times previously about Phoenix turning into like a Geico type deal and you know I could I could agree with you on that that would be that would be great for both parties I think Mm because HRC gets what they want because they don't have to mess with 250s anymore and you know Phoenix gets that exposure because it's not like it's not like they're a slow team you know like KP last year Kyle Peters he I think he got I think he podium in in a supercross round and you know, he's a, like not he, but the team, and also him. They're a good team. Like it's not like they're well, he's been barely in, making mains every. He's been every, in an arena across the legend for a while. So. Yeah, and, um, and so he's getting a little older. So he is. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see. Is is uh, Dylan their only four fifty rider next year? I think so. Because I don't know who else they have. But um, I've only ever known them to have 250 riders. So this might also be a stepping stone of like, hey, you know, like we can do other things too. Yeah. You know, like we're not just limited to a two, you know, the 250 program. Well, Geico fielded, f- fielded? They f- they fielded a 
450 for Kevin Windham. Mm-hmm. Um, they had other people on a 450 at times, you know. Uh, but yeah, they can. But it's it's one of those like they're kind of an off road team who has roots and stems going yeah into other things. So, but like you said, they're the only East Coast team that represents Honda. So, yeah, um, and it's going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm curious. I know it's a long way off, but Triumph they're great in the adventure bike area. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like if they get this 250 team going. And then next year, the 450 team, will we see someone say, hey, I'd love to represent Triumph off Yeah, and, and we'll see. Like, and same thing with, you know, Ducati start to come around. Yeah. And, and I think, what, 2025 they're shooting Supposedly, for? Yeah. And so, you know, I would love to see, because everybody, everybody always says, and, you know, for a few years it was, it really was. But everybody always said, oh, you know, off-road is a dying sport. Not anymore. Not since. Uh, not since COVID. Yeah. You know, these, like, I would love to get more light shown on the. Not just because I race it. You know, if I didn't race it and I still was doing the same thing, I would believe the same things. Because what are ninety percent? Oh, I wouldn't say ninety, but what is probably a solid sixty to seventy-five percent of people who own bikes they're not going to tracks every weekend they're going to ride trails with their buddies or ride you know these i would almost dare to say there's more xc series slash little races and stuff on the east coast at least i don't know how it is on the west coast i can't talk about the west coast but i would almost say on the east coast off-roading is bigger than motocross. I th- just almost. Like, yeah, and, and I think it goes to the time value of money. Um, Chuck Crowley told me that when I first started is, hey man, you, you you go, you pay your money, you go race for two hours, and you come home. Unlike sitting at super uh, motocross race where you race, you race four. I mean, I've, I've been to some series where they were three lap races. Mm-hmm. And then they sit for an hour and a half, and then they race. If you don't race more than one class, you literally race six laps and you're done for the day. It's like, I just can't justify it. You know, not to put my finances out there at all, but we're looking at buying another quad. And let's just say it's more than three of my cars that are sitting, or not mine, but three of the cars that are sitting in my driveway right now is how much it costs. And it's like, I just don't think I would be able to justify spending that much money to race six laps in a weekend. Yeah, it's you tough. know, like it's it, tough. I, I truly don't and then and then you gotta buy the truck and then you gotta buy the trailer and then you gotta buy the gear and you gotta buy this and that and this and, and so like you know, I love XC, it's my my passion, it's you know what I love, but also at the same time if I were starting everything over right this second, I still think I'd go in that direction just because the way my mind works, it's like, well, you know, I can race for two hours and, you know, I might have to travel a little little bit further, yeah. you know, to GNCCs. I got to go to Indiana, but, you know, I get, you're telling me I get to race for two hours compared to, you know, going, what, Dade City, going up there an hour and a half away, but I only get to race for 10 laps, let's say. And it's like, but I would like to eventually 
you know, once our side of the podcast grows to be bigger and stuff like that, like really shine light on that, especially to the MX guys. Cause you know, you always get the, the MX guys making jokes like, Oh, you're not, you're not this, you're not, you're not as good as us. Cause you race cross country. You can't hit this 150 foot triple. Like, well, I bet you, you can't go through the trees as fast as I can, you know? So, uh, I there, would definitely like to shine light on there that. There is some crossover. Those guys are, I think I was listening to a podcast with Stu Baylor and the guy was saying like how much the industry must love the off-road side because like you go to a motocross race, yeah, you crash, you destroy stuff because if you fall out of the sky 30 feet, you're going to yeah. destroy stuff. But how many off-road racers don't break something, knock off something when they go to a race? like yeah. Or just the fact that you're in sand and mud and the bearings and like it is just a plastics yeah how how much of that is reoccurring expenses in the off-road side um i think the big downfall seeing it from both sides because i've been traveling around watching motocross races going to off-road stuff and i will tell you i think the downfall is as a mom and dad i can say goodbye to my kid, go to the starting line and I can go stand along a fence mm-hmm. and I can see the whole track. Yep. And that is the one downfall for an off road or is you say goodbye and then you see them in 30 minutes or 23 minutes or yeah. whatever. And then they're gone again. And I think that's where the, the change is. It's, it's yes, it's still a good family time. You got your camper, you got your cookout, you're hanging out with your friends at either place but at a motocross track I can see little Johnny or little Susie the whole time mm-hmm. if I go to I don't care if it's an FTR a Mideast a North Carolina Hair Scramble Series a Sorks or, or a GNCC yes I can go look for them but I'm going to end up walking 10 miles trying to see them for 5 seconds Yeah, and so that is the downfall of off-road both of them are great Honestly, if I was a parent, I would probably start my kid in motocross Mm -hmm. as a little kid because it's nice to get that skill set without dodging a route and then go into the off-road side. But we've seen Jack Chambers. We've seen Zach Osborne. We've seen those guys be able to transition from one or the other. And there's like 1% that are going to get to go pro. So if you like something, why not do both? Don't make it, you don't have to, you can slap some hand guards on your Mm -hmm. motocross bike and you'll be fine. You can take your kickstand off your, you can race with a big tank. You don't have to fill it up with gas if you go to motocross. I don't know if you watched the video, but um, when he went to Moto Bros Christmas Eve, he raced with the big tanky. You know, his his seat set up, his suspension set up. I'm sure he changed a few clickers here and there, but... But, but I also agree, and I think that's also why the sport of cross-country doesn't necessarily get, I don't say the funding they deserve, because they've gotten a lot this year, especially GNCC. I mean, yeah. look, they were able to secure Progressive as their main sponsor. I mean, I, I can only imagine how much Progressive paid for that spot um, to be a main sponsor. So... Obviously, the changes they're doing is working, but the biggest thing with cross-country and why I think they don't get the funding 
they need to is same thing. You know, you're racing through the woods. Yeah. Well, you can't have, I mean, it'd take 500 cameras yeah. spread across the track to be able to film every section of it. Now, they did make the change with the drone. They have an awesome drone pilot. I mean, some of the shots uh, he was getting this year was amazing. Yeah. So they are making those changes. And I do think that that was, a, that was a big thing on how they were able to secure Progressive is like, you know, the drone is flying the entire race and the majority of the shots are coming from the drone. We're going to put your logo. Oh, I don't know if it was the logo, but, you know, I think that's yeah. how they're able to sell this stuff now. And the drone was a big help in, in that being able to film more of the race. Because mm -hmm. you, you used to go on Racer TV and you'd see him at the one mile marker and then you'd see him at the six mile marker and you'd see him at the eight and then you'd see him at the 12. So it was so spread out, yeah. you'd go minutes without seeing him. And, you know, who wants to watch, well, uh, like, you know, a minute? Or, it's like what you're talking about. You go to Supercross, you're in a stadium. So there's already there's already spots where they film football games or baseball mm -hmm. games, and the cameras can zoom in literally to eyeball to eyeball. Yeah. So they can watch the whole thing. Then you go to a motocross and it's a little more spread out. Why is Supercross more popular than motocross? It's cleaner. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's you're in a you're confined indoors, area. Yeah. You're, now you go to motocross, it's still big, but it's more spread out. Mm -hmm. It's hard to film the whole track. Yeah. Then you go to off-road, yes, we now have drones that are flying up and you're looking from above. But like you say, even if they have a couple ground cameras, you get to see a couple corners or yeah. them coming at you or whatever. Now take that into Enduro, which sometimes is even more exciting because they're literally, I don't know how they get through some of this yeah. stuff. As now they do have a chase bike. Mm -hmm. I've but, seen that. Those are pretty that, cool videos. But that dude can only go so far yeah. before he's got to get out of the way for the next bike. So... There is a reason, but there's also no reason because of that new videoing and the new capabilities for people not to go, hey, I want to go try it. doesn't yeah. mean you have to go do it all the time. Go try it. There's there's an off-road series almost in every state. Yeah. Like, And guess what? If they not multiple. Yeah, and they don't race motocross all the time, but I think it's great cross-training. Um, both. I think off-road guys train motocross. Yeah. Stu Baylor even says they have motocross tracks and off-road loops. Mm-hmm. And the riders who train in those disciplines do the other. Yeah. So, enjoy. It's one of those things. Get on your bike and go ride. Like, yeah. If you're if you're riding on your bike, you'll be having fun. Yeah. And if you're not, then maybe you shouldn't be riding a bike. Yeah. Because it's like you know, I'm always down to to try some MX. You know, I I have two four by fours. I can't ride MX on them. I would love to get a four fifty to be able to ride MX. But then I also look on it, and I've had a 450, and I went to one MX track while I had a 450 that I went with you. And so it's kind of like, well, am I really? But I would love to ride MX and cross-train on MX. I have the dirt bike that I actually plan on racing this weekend. So, and, you know, I do have a new throttle cable, so maybe the throttle won't get stuck on me, and I'll actually be able to race it this weekend. But um, I do have the dirt bike to be able to cross-train on and be able to take to these MX tracks and stuff. I feel like, like I said, if you're on your bike, you should be having fun. And and if you're not on your bike and you're on a different bike, you should still be having fun. I mean, hence they're riding a dirt bike. I have a 90 that I just, you know, some days I get off work and I just ride it because I can't ride my 
can't ride the dirt bike because it's too loud, and I can't ride the Can-Am because it's too loud. So I get the 90 out, and I ride the 90. So, um, yeah. I, That's the way I feel about the guys with the electric bikes and the Surinoms and all this. Dude, I don't, cool. Go have fun. Go ride them. Just get on a ride. There's series. There's, I mean, we have MX. We have Supercross. We have Arena Cross. We have Off-Road. We have Enduro. We have Extreme Enduro. Hell, we even have these things that do now called dual sport rides. If you have a dual sport, yeah, there's not really races, but there's fun runs, and they yeah, go, yeah, yeah. and you can go out to Colorado and do a fun run. There's Facebook groups and stuff. You yeah. join them, and you know, you get ten guys on in a, in a group, and they'll just, especially like you said, it's big up north, and yeah. especially like out northwest ish. You know, they just they'll go out on trails, you know, because yeah. they'll they'll drive their bike to the trails and make sure they top off on gas before they get out there, and then they'll just ride the trail. They have a trail master, and home. they stop and eat lunch, and they yep. have their packs. Which to me, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like I would, yep. I would love to do that at some point. But so GNCC is looking good for this year. Mm-hmm. We'll we will dive in. We'll probably what we will probably be doing is episodes. We will probably do episodes when after an FTR race or after a GNCC race. Like one, of, mm-hmm. and if there's a double up, we'll we'll do, you know, we'll talk about one or the other. Yeah. Um, let's jump into FTR second half of the season. Actually, I don't know if it's true halfway, but our season starts in one year and finishes in another. Yeah. So it's a little um, confusing. We that the last race before Christmas was the watermelon farm in Punta Gorda. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, one track of the year. This year, I heard the palmettos were brutal. I watched a video. I didn't really see how they were more brutal than yeah. they have been in the past. Still two water crossings. Track looked very similar. Enduro it, section? Enduro, the Enduro section, eight. I appreciate the sea riders who tried it. There were a couple of sea riders who probably will be B riders that made it look good. And there were some B riders who I would have looked at it at practice and been like, yeah, I'll take my 22nd penalty. Yeah. Because... If you cleaned it, it was fast. Yeah. If you messed up, every advantage you thought you had, you just lost. Because yeah. there was nowhere to restart. Like, And you couldn't skip an obstacle, basically. Because it was all double up. greens. Yeah, you had to hit it. And watching some of the AA guys, they were doubling stuff. And it's like, that's pretty impressive. Well, I think it's funny. I was watching I was watching Jesse Ansley's video. I'm a little bit behind on it. So sorry, Jesse, if you're watching this. But... Um, <laughs> I was watching Jesse Ansley's video last night on it, and um, in the vlog they got Alex Luger falling on. Is it Luger, right? Or I thought L- it was Luger. Luger. Lugar, Luger. And uh, and during practice he went to go through it and fell on the tires, mm-hmm. and and people were like, "I thought you were a double A guy, man. What happened?" Yeah, it, it so, was crazy, but it was cool track. Um, they changed up a little bit of like the kind of where the start mm-hmm. was and, and um, some parking areas, but. So we jump in, take Christmas break, jump in. So we go from the number one track last year to the number one track for a couple of years, Mondon Hill, mm-hmm. and they they have been they have been massaging the motocross yeah. area. Um, I've heard that the Saturday track is looking good for the quads and um, beginners and historic bikes and yeah. all that stuff. So it should be a Good day of racing. I don't know how the weather's looking. I've heard that we have maybe in potential for some thunderstorms. I'm gonna. I was gonna look it up after you said that because my dad was just talking to me that last night um, about it. Because like I said, I was planning on if I can spell. Holy crap! Um, but I was planning on racing the dirt bike, but I was also planning on racing the quad 
as well. And I've always wanted to race a dirt bike in the mud. And so he kept asking me, he's like, um, do you really want to race if it's muddy? And I was like, you spelled Brooksville wrong. How do you spell it? B-R-O-O-K-S-V-I-L-L-E. What did I spell it with? I don't e? know. Let's see, can we get that far out? Yeah, go to days. Where are we at? Well, there's too many ads. Saturday. Saturday, Ooh, 98%. 98%. Ooh. Well, let's see how that transitions. It's Tuesday. So Saturday, 98% chance of rain. Ooh. And they're expecting... Until uh, when, though? Saturday night's only 24, so maybe the day... The, the day is 97%. Humidity of 90%. Well, used to the UV. So for those of you planning to go to the race... One of the things in FTR is you never you never ask about the weather because it's off-road. I'm just telling you, I've been at that race when it was 19 degrees. I've been at that race when it's raining. That is the one thing about off-road guys is you just kind of figure it out. Yeah. Unless there's lightning, you, they'll, they'll race unless the track just can't handle it. Um, I imagine those slag piles will be slippery as I'll get up on Saturday. I can't wait to race the dirt bike and <laughs> look like a true beginner. Especially on that hard stuff out on the by the road, mm -hmm. it, it it gets a little slick, yeah, choppy. Um, now, when I go race the quad, it should be perfect, you know, because I'll be on the four by four. But uh, you know, hundred percent chance of rain all day. Oh, that but at least the wind is from ten to twenty miles per hour. So, you know, this race does get very tacky if it dries out. So we're just gonna hope that it rains all morning, and then you know. Between two o'clock and six o'clock, when I get done, we'll we'll the field sections are a blast when it's wet. Oh, I've heard they are. Uh, Morning practice is very fun. It's a uh, it's like because it's a cow pasture, so not only is it slick, you hit things that are also naturally slick. Yep. And uh, lay off the front brake. Yeah, I told my dad I'm gonna have to pack like two or three pairs of gear and you know I'll change after practice and then you know when I'm racing the dirt bike I might pull off a lap early so I can change and get all the mud and everything off of me and 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 go back out and and race but maybe just maybe I might be able to play somewhat decent in beginner class because maybe some of the beginners are gonna be like oh it's raining you know I don't want to go out there so no, we'll, we'll see cool cool facility I I wonder how they're gonna mix it up this year um, because it's kind of the way the property is laid out. It's it's kind of a directional. There's not a lot of ways they can chop it yeah. up to make it uh, viable, but they do a really good job with the piece of property. Mm -hmm. um, I've also heard because of the the size of this race and the, what it has been for a few years, they have acquired 25 more acres of parking. Oh, nice! So because we did run out last year, yeah. it was packed yeah. last year. So it's it's a cool it's a cool place. So if you're if you're out and about um, and you want to take in some fun, what does Sunday look like? Sunday also looks like showers, but not oh, as 50 much. 50% chance. 50%. Of so it could or could not. You know, yeah. knowing Florida, you never know. So, uh, you know, if it's if it's over 50%, you can almost guarantee it's going to rain with Florida. If it's under 50%, then you kind of just figure it out as the day so, goes. So it'll be an interesting, interesting weekend at Mondon Hill, but... Um, unless otherwise they'll be racing there. There'll be yeah. people camped and 
it'll be sloppy and it'll be fun and luckily it won't be super frigid that we have been there where it it's has freezing freezing cold and uh i remember one time i sat in the truck until it was time to go to the line because i was like i'm not getting out oh it's it's been it's i mean you go there and especially if it's rained or something yeah. and then you're cold and wet and you know we talk we talk like this isn't the norm for people up north you know when it's cold and rainy up there but uh you know us florida boys it's it's a little struggle. <laughs> so this, as the GNCC kind of season kind of eases in, this is the uh, this is the first weekend of the year. Um, this is be your kind of first preseason race. How is there another FTR race before the first GNCC? Or are you going to have a couple chances to ride? Will you? Is there a Mid East before the first? So there um, is a Mid East and there is an FTR. I don't know why I'm. I have it all in my calendar here. So let me. Let me go confirm that. So there is another Mideast, or there is the first Mideast of the year. Okay. And typically there is an FTR. Yes, so there is another FTR February 3rd, Oh, as well as, so there's one this weekend, Mm -hmm. this coming weekend. I'm not sure when this podcast is going out, but it is the 6th is race day. And then you get, looks like two weeks off, and then we're racing the 20th. Okay. Um, not too sure where that one is. And then we are also racing the third as well. Okay. So there's three more FTRs, and then the first Mideast of the year is um, in Star, North Carolina, February 10th, which I will hopefully be attending. Is that um, the week before the first GNCC? That is the week before the first GNCC, so... Um, I'm really a few races in before. Yeah, I'm really gonna try and make it to as many GNCCs as I can, or GNCCs Mid East as I can this year. Um, I hit a couple last year, and you know I love my FTR series, but just the way Mid East is ran up there, and you know if you follow FTR at all, and if you're on Facebook at all, then you will know what I'm talking about when I say just some of the drama at FTR and all that stuff. And you know, like I said, I'm not dissing FTR. I've been racing it for. 14 years now so i love ftr it's a great great place to go ride obviously i'm going to continue racing it as much as i can but also at the same time just mid-east and and getting out of the state of florida you know you you go to florida and it's the same sugar sand palmetto roots you know every once in a while you'll get some clay or some phosphate like at bartow but um you know just getting up in the northern clay it just helps out at the well, at think, the nationals, and I think stuff. the Mid East series is kind of like if you follow NASCAR, it's the Xfinity series, and or if you're in IndyCar, it's the NXT series. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically like a baby version of some of the terrain that you're going to race in a, in a GNCC. GNCC. And um, the same people who run GNCC, I've said it a couple times on here, but the same people who run GNCC pretty much run mm-hmm. Mid East. Like Ricky Towery is the guy, and you got uh, Bruin. Bruin. Uh, I think it starts with the B, and I want to say Bruin, but I'm probably wrong there. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but um, he's the main guy. But of course, you got Ricky Towery still there, and um, his significant others and everything that are that are running it all. And um, you know, a couple of funny story about how we found out. You know, it's all intermingled. Is you know, I went to go a couple of years ago to the Mid East. It was my first race back after. Uh, collarbone surgery and everything and I wanted to go race the 450 
well, it's towards the end of the season, so I didn't want to mess up anybody's points, so I just wanted to go to a non-points class. And we went to go sign up for the one that we thought was non-points, and it was, it's called the Trail Riders class. Um, but I guess there was another non-points class as well. And the lady was like, I recognize your name, and I see what you do finishing overall at GNCC. I saw where you finished like 30-something overall at GNCC. I can't let you race that class because it's for beginners. And so I'm going to have you race this other class. And I just thought, but at the same time, you know, a little, little, I think I was like 15 year, years old. I was like, oh, you saw me do good over here? You know, it kind of boosted my ego a little yeah. bit. But um, I did look it up. So the next, after this race, this race is in Brooksville this weekend. Um, the next FTR is um, hosted by PBTTR. Can't remember what that stands for. Palm, Palm. Beach track and trailer or i think palm beach something yeah because it's it's in okeechobee um and then the next one um which is that february 3rd and 4th race is the tctr which is an indian town um and then the next one which is the last one before um well the last hair scramble before gncc starts which is february 17th and 8th oh no excuse me February 17th and 18th round is on Big Buck. Oh, so this okay. one will I will not be going to, but it's DDR. It's in Ormond Beach. Um, okay. In Ormond Beach, um, which is right above Daytona? Yep. Right above yep. Daytona. So that's that's a good track as well. A lot of whoops on that track, if I can remember the track correctly. but um, is, that the one, is that the one where they also hold the alligator? I believe so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same property. Black, a lot of black dirt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but that's yeah, the one where they kind of weave it around, and it's your kind of park here, and the track goes in and out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, around the around the parking yeah. area. So you know, I think you are correct. This so this race marks the halfway point. This okay. is round five out of ten. So this race this weekend will mark the uh, halfway point, and then. It goes 6th, 7th, 8th, which we talked about, and then the last two of the year. Um, another one of the tracks that a lot of people like, they have the speed camera yeah. or the speed sign and everything, um, Dade City, which is on March 16th and 17th, which is it on Sebring again this year? Do you yeah. know when Sebring yeah, is? and I'll actually be in Indianapolis for that one. Oh, where will you be? At the Indy Supercross. Oh, look at you. So, I won't be there for that one. But So, you won't get to see Sebring this year? I'm going to go on Wednesday or Thursday before I leave. Oh. Uh, so, you're at least going to make it yeah, out I'm going to go. I'm gonna we're, go. we're making it to yeah. Sebring. I'm going to Sebring. I'm, I, I mean, I've been to the 12 hours, not as many times as my father, but I've been there quite a few times, and I will either go Wednesday or Thursday, and then... It's almost out. like a tradition, right? you yeah. got to make it at least, yeah. at least somewhere. So, um... And it looks like the last round of the year is going to be OSDR number two, which yeah, was last be, round. I don't know if it's going to be at the same property or if it's going to, if they have a different piece of property. Let's see if we can find out. Oh, well, they probably don't have their flyer up yet, yeah. do they? No. No, they don't. So I cannot tell you yeah, that information. But it's okay. But yeah, I will say I'd, I'd like to make it out to... we got to figure out when Sebring is racing on a weekend that we don't have anything. Because I would love to get out there and and see a car race. You know, I went to Auburndale this weekend. That was pretty cool. Um, so they raced 
this weekend they raced, I know they raced Crown Vicks, which is, if you've never seen a Crown Vic race, go to Auburndale Speedway because it is hilarious, you know, like, these people are in Crown Vicks that, you know, two, three thousand dollars, you know, so they're just, I mean, so they race Crown Vic Saturday night and then Sunday before the pro races, and um, let me see if I can find this. Feels the like a lot of track here. cleanup. I feel like stuff's just falling off. Man, they just they just ram each other. Like I remember, I went to a Crown Vic race a little bit ago, and literally somebody got mad at somebody else and cut across the infield to go T-bone them across the track. Like, <laughs> like it's just insane. It does not seem fun to me. I, I don't. I, I just don't. I don't even. It doesn't. I, I can't grasp that concept. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't grasp the concept of being so mad at somebody that you're going to drive across the yeah. track and and T-bone them. But um, Saturday night, um, which we were at, they raced mini cups, which is you know the little kids, um, and they raced a mod, then Crown Vicks, then they had an intermission, and then while we were there Saturday night was the mod mini race, which um, Chuck Fraser. He raced his uh, mod mini car and just he so they ha- they didn't do any qualifying or anything so they they drew sticks and he started sixth out of tenth and you know it's a it's a little quarter mile track yeah. 30, 30 laps was what they were running <coughs> don't they and, call them the bull ring the bull ring or something yes yeah, so I want to say by the fourth lap he was in first I mean he was just he was just putting on a clinic for everybody I mean he. And then he, he backed it down once he was in first and kind of just managed it, kind of like what we saw Jet do all summer long. Yeah. And he just he just managed the race. And, I mean, he just he just put on a clinic. Because you really don't see that in a short course like that. Because, you know, everybody yeah. seems to be one line, a, a really short course, quarter mile track. You know, you don't really see. But he was just, I mean, it almost looked like those, you know, you see those people cutting in and out of traffic. That's what it looked like. He was just outside, inside, outside. And he was just making his way up and then they race mini stock and pure stock as well which this is not a car racing podcast but you know i like to think that we can talk about anything on it but and then we went back out sunday and they raced crown vicks again which this one was heated because somebody tried to go up the inside of somebody else and um, ran them real high into the wall and so they both both got black flag for whatever I don't know why the one that got ran high got black flag, but they both got black flag, went back to the pits. Well we got we were we had pit passes. I think it's thirty five bucks for the pit passes. So um we just got the pit passes, we were in the back and we watched them two um drive off and they just happened to be parked next to each other. And so one guy hops out of his car and he's running over there and somebody's like trying to hold him back and I mean I don't they got tucked behind some trailers so I don't know if any you know, fists were thrown, but um, next thing I know, I see two officials hop up on a golf cart and go driving over there trying to break it up. And I'm like, is it that, like, you're not, it's not even a purse clock, like, you're not racing for money. Is it that serious oh, it's, it's, that we're, that we're fighting over this? NASCAR dreams are alive. Yeah. Like, I mean, your, your little, your 40 year old dream of, you know, racing the Crown Vicks at Auburndale Speedway is gonna, gonna get you there. But, Really cool. Um, they they did two 100 lap mains. They raced pro trucks and then they raced uh, super late models. Um, not the pro class, just the regular super late models. But um, in the pro class, 
Um, there was a young lady, I say probably my age, maybe a little bit older. I think she was older than she looked, you know. Um, so I'd say maybe 20s, or I mean, maybe she was really that young. Maybe she was 16, 17. Um, she was racing in the pro truck race, and uh, I think she ended up having something happen to her truck, so she couldn't finish. But I just thought it was pretty cool because they did do qualifying and everything. She started mid pack, and she made up a couple spots before her car or her truck broke in. You know, I just thought it was cool that there was a young lady, and yeah. and that you don't really see that on the car side. You know, you see it in the on the you know motor power sports side because they have the women's classes, but to my knowledge, they don't have really women's classes in every once in a while they do like a powder puff race yeah. but like you don't see but yeah the women the 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 women's initiative for racing is you see it on the engineering side yeah you see it on the race side where they're trying to like if there's an interest they're trying to get the the ladies involved yeah for someone to actually have some talent to get up there and compete with the men mm -hmm. um in a male dominated yeah, sport, yeah, yeah you know it was pretty cool and then the super late model race that was a good race so uh they they did I think it was twenty five laps before the the first caution went out, which was you know for Auburn it was pretty good you know when you take into consideration that during the Crown Vic race it was almost every lap that there was a caution and mind you it's not like NASCAR caution laps don't count yeah. so you know that race took like an hour to finish because people don't know how to just it's just it's kind of you know what Crown Vic races are they're the sportsman's class well it's almost it's a like, cash grab it's almost like it's almost like the pit bike races of yeah, like it's, of, just, it's just a cash grab. Yeah, right? some people are paying to come drive around at Auburndale Speedway. It, it but and it's okay. I mean, it gets them paid, yeah. and you know, it, it's if you're a fan of the sport, or I wouldn't say if you're a fan of the sport because I'm a fan of the sport, and you know, it is fun to watch it. But at the same time, you know, after the fiftieth caution and thirty laps, you're kinda of like, okay, can we just I'd like to watch some racing. Yeah. yeah. I mean and for the first ten laps it's cool. You know, it's funny to watch people ram each other, but also at the same time you're like Now I will say there was some I I looked up the rules for the um Crown Vic class and they are very claim heavy on their rules. As in fifteen hundred dollars you can claim somebody's motor back. and you know um, actually, the first night on Saturday night, the top three got disqualified for ECU tuning. Oh. Everything has to be stopped to the point that they don't want you to be putting any money into these cars. Then what you have to, obviously, you got to have a roll cage, harness, all that stuff, or uh, seats and harness and all that. So they don't want you to put any money in these cars to the point where each one of your tires cannot be worth like you can't buy your tires for more than $125 and they have to be all season tires with a treadwear rating of 300 or higher. They cannot be any lower than that because they don't want you to get any grip. And, uh, but what I was saying with the super late model back to that is, um, last time I know knew of him, he was 16 years old, whether that has changed since the last time I went to Auburnale, which has been a couple months. So it's possible, but, um, he finished third place. A 16-year-old finished third place against, uh, you know, all these older guys, you know. I mean, most of them are, you know, late 20s, early 30s racing these late models. And, you know, 16 years old, he, I mean, he was cruising too. And, and they uh, scoot on that track. Yes, very, very fast. Yes. I mean, that was probably the fastest 25 laps before the first caution that I've, they, that I've seen. You get some of the late model, super late model stuff, pro late models. They, I mean, they they're, they're moving. But when your motor 
cost more than you know my quads do, then I sure hope that you're scooting too. But um, I thought it was cool, and uh, you know, like I said, they were moving. But last lap drama here. So last lap, they're coming around turn three and four, and the leader gets spun out, and so um, but they threw the caution before they had made it to the checkered. So because it wasn't the leader's fault, leader retained his position and they sent the person that spun him out to oh. the back. And so, you know, all because you wanted to gain an extra 500 bucks, you just lost your entire purse because you wanted yeah. to. So I'm like, little bit of little bit of karma for you, but um, it was good racing all weekend, you know. You know, I haven't I haven't raced in a while, I haven't been to a race in a while, so you know, it was a nice little refresh to be able to get out to a track, even though it's car racing, you know, it's a nice little refresh, and you know, maybe I'm in talks with uh, Chuck right now, he's got a mini stock car at his house that, um, you know, it hasn't been announced yet, but there's rumor that they're going to be changing the rules a little bit at Auburndale for their mini stock class to um, be able to run the, the setup he already has, so he said uh, all he's got to do is put the motor back into it and he um, he's gonna start letting some of us race it so y'all might see me in a car I might I might not be doing a, a you know four-wheeler race report or dirt bike race report it might be a how was the car race this weekend you know like did I get spun out or did I do the spinning out of the car race so yeah, that's you don't, fun. you don't want an ass whipping I promise you no because them Auburndale boys they don't you know when you see a Big old two fifty pound dude, redneck guy pulling up on you, you know. That I'd just be staying in my car with helmet on, everything, you know. You don't want you don't want an ass whipping because you spun somebody out, I promise you. It's not, Especially it's not, not those guys. No, 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 no. But I don't have anything else left, I don't think, unless you do. Well very good. Well we'll uh we're all gonna watch Supercross, the first round of Yes. Supercross, A one, traditional start. Um for us. East Coast people, we're going to get to watch it a few hours earlier. Yeah, we all have to stay up till 3 o'clock um, in the morning. I will probably be battling weather and be at Brooksville Saturday and Sunday. And uh, we will have a Beyond the Curve MX podcast next week. We'll probably have a Beyond the Curve Goes Off-Road mm-hmm. podcast next week because, well, it's time to start again. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we will do the off-road side when there is a race um, because there's really nothing to talk about if there's nothing to talk about <laughs> yeah so we will have uh, we will do the off-road side uh, whether it's an FTR race mid-east or GNCC mm-hmm. and then on the motocross side pretty much until October we'll, yeah. we'll be on every week yeah so um, and I'll probably have stories because I'm going to Get to be team manager for a GCC yeah. uh, between you and Bryce. I'm gonna be going up to Supercrosses. My first Supercross of the year is Detroit, and um, still working on some other stuff. And since we're talking about random shit, I'm calling the play-by-play for Lake Region Baseball. Really? Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I gonna, didn't know you were still doing that. Yep, yeah, we're gonna do that this year. Uh, so we're gonna Facebook Live the games for parents who can't be there, and so. We're just just jack of all trades. Don't be all over the place. So, uh, this has been episode 37 and a half of season two of the Beyond the Curve podcast goes off road. That's MJ Adonis. I'm Trey Heath. 
We are with Michelle and Sherry Real Estate, and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye.